Quit overthinking alone, overthinking with stuff is better. We're overthinking together. Yep, that was stupid. Let's come up with a whole new intro. Oh, Steph. <laughs> Bring the dongle to your lips. Oh, my God. <laughs> is that better? So in the loft today, I have my friend Kaylee. Kaylee freaking David. <laughs> and, you know, she's gained a lot of new followers on Instagram oh since posting her beautiful photo that I took of her three years ago. I think it was three. Yeah. Um, the very sultry. Your hair was very red. Was I think that might, might have been freshly dyed. It also might have been my editing back then. I think it might have been both. A little bit of both. <laughs> That's true. So I've known Kaylee for um, the first time I remember meeting you or knowing of you was in 2014. Is this right? I don't Remember know. when we were at that brunch for Jackie Harena? <laughs> don't you can't say that. I know, but I don't remember. <clears throat> Jackie and um, I need a picture. I have a photo of you from that really? day. Yes, we were all sitting on the patio enjoying we a nice at bolsa bolsa mercado. In 2014, because I was who I was dating then, that's how I remember all of my years. That's, yeah, Either how yeah. my hair was styled or, the or who I was dating. That's fair. And so I, I was, don't remember that. I don't remember the actual setting. I can picture Bolsa, and I feel like I can picture an event, but I don't remember us meeting. Did we actually physically... Like, I shook your hand. Shake hands I'm just kidding. Things? You sat right across from me. Weird. I'll send you the photo. Isn't this like highly frowned upon on podcasts? You're not supposed to have too many inside jokes or the <laughs> intro is not supposed to be long. So I've already failed. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I think what people would most know you for is um, the Promote Love interview we sat yeah. down and did. I was actually shocked that you told me you would do that because I know that's really? pretty. Yeah, because I mean, it's hard to talk about family stuff. Yeah. It's hard to talk about religion yeah. and it's hard oh, to talk yeah. about, um, you know, figuring out your gayness or your bisexuality or what it feels like um, in that moment to acknowledge that you're part of the LGBT community, Sure. Um, especially when you were raised in church. And I think that's why I started this podcast in yeah. the first place was to have those conversations to have people feel a little bit less alone in their journey, because if we don't talk about that, then we all just kind of are left there dealing with ourselves and yeah. overthinking things half the time and then dealing with the struggle with with reconciling your faith with God, reconciling your relationship with your family. Um, so what are some of the, first of all, were you nervous to do that video and sit down and, and have that story out in the world? And then what was the feedback like on that? You know, it's funny. When you asked me to do that, I had zero hesitation. I was like, yeah, totally. Let's do it. And even when I was, we were filming it and we were editing it, I, well, I was never nervous. I don't know why. I think that at that point in my life and in my sexuality, I was just happy to shout it, happy to be who I was. I was kind of in a place where I felt proud of myself, whether people agree with me or not. And so, and I always say if, if my story can help one person, then that's, that's a win, you know? And so I was super happy to do it. I was not nervous about putting it out there. I didn't really think about how many people would see it. Like you don't think about all those random Facebook friends that you right. have, but. Or even people from like childhood yeah, or school Yeah, that's what I mean, like high school yeah. and middle school and my f parents' friends, you know, things like that where you don't think about those humans that are watching you without speaking to you. And so I put it out there and I really didn't think anything of it. And then I got so much so much wonderful feedback and just 
the kindest words and people shared it, which that was the most shocking thing to me that people took the time to write their own caption and to push my story out there because they related to it or they loved it and they trusted me. That meant so, so much that they wanted to put it on their page Mm -hmm. and share that with their followers or their friends because it's not their story, Mm -hmm. but I think maybe a part of it was. And so that meant so, so much to me. Um, I got several people say, you know, this is my story, like DM me and saying, thank you for saying that. This is what I go through. I mean, right now I I was thinking if I were to film it again with you, how much I would, um, I would want to be in the conversation with you instead Mm -hmm. of like behind the scenes. And I feel like that's why this is happening today, but I wasn't in a place to where I was ready. So I was almost not living vicariously through others' stories, but as a photographer, that's what I'm paid to do too, is to kind of be behind the scenes, but also documenting other people's stories so that that can come to light and, and be relatable for someone Mm -hmm. else. But what most people didn't know is that I was relating to those stories and it was actually helping me get through maybe a very difficult time in my life with my family. So now I'm at the point where I want to have these conversations and be included in them Mm -hmm. and step out from um, behind the camera. Yeah. So I just appreciate you sitting down here and talking with me. Yeah. And you know, it's funny about that. You say that you were living vicariously through our stories, but after doing that, I found myself, it's going to sound so narcissistic, but (laughs) I found myself rewatching my video a lot, Mm -hmm. which sounds weird and odd, but it's almost like there was a lot of times where I needed to speak those words Mm. to myself again. Like I needed to hear those kind thoughts about Mm. God and about friends and about love and loving yourself. Right. It's almost like I had these dark days where I needed to be reminded of what I thought. And so I went back, I went back and would watch it over and over again, just because I got, I was in a place where I was felt lonely or I felt sad. And I was like, you know what? I know better. I know that I have love in my life. I know that God loves me. But it's like I needed that refresher. And right. I've, and so I thought, I think it's so weird that I'm sitting there watching my own videos. Like encouraging, like, <laughs> encouraging yourself <laughs> like yes. a year later. Yes. But yes. it's like I needed to, I needed to hear that again. I give myself pep talks all the time. Yeah. Like I talk to myself I at too. all times. <laughs> and I think that even in prayer, that's a thing that I do where mm-hmm. I'm like, even though I'm asking for things, it's really more like give me confidence because I know I need confidence and I know that I can be confident. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I just needed to hear those refreshing words again. Yeah if I was having a bad day, just kind of speak truth into myself. Right. I love that. In like a third way, third party. I wonder if Kayla (laughs) and her mom ever watched theirs over again. Because that was another one that was really important, uh, an important conversation with losing someone very close to you, your mom, which you struggled with. Yeah, I totally relate to that. Yeah, and then they came back and had this very strong relationship. They're still like two of the best friends. Oh my God, it's so hilarious. They also look identical, which is also funny. Right. I think that um, a lot of people want... I think they want to know like what you're up to these days. So we're going to talk about things like religion, sexuality, family, health, and the fact that Kaylee had to bring me a banana and an orange because all I have in my in my refrigerator are pregnant people. Um, I was like, I'm going to eat a pickle and it's one like, hard-boiled egg. Goodness gracious. Um, so what was the, do you have one comment from that video that you feel like stuck out in your mind that you received? Thing. I think it's the, I think I've even screenshot things to you back then when it was someone like sending me a true DM saying this helped me, you know, become more close with my faith or be more faithful or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Anything more God related. Cause I don't see myself as any kind of, you know, 
speaker or representative in any way to perform. Mm -hmm. And so that always, because that's not me. I'm not doing the work there. God's doing the work there. But mm -hmm. that's just so powerful that they could get that from my story. Because I still feel like I'm such a work in progress every day anyways. And so. Okay, this is not on our list of things to talk <laughs> about. But you just said something that I've always thought about um, that I've struggled with. And maybe this is a touchy subject. No, no. Um, but let's just get, get into it. it. Get it. Um, you had said, that's not, <clears throat> that's not me doing that. That's the Lord. Yeah. And I feel like. I can see how people would believe that because that's how I was taught. That's how I was raised. But it also affected my, um, my self-worth and yeah. how I was able to be proud of myself for anything I accomplished because it was always, oh, give it to God. I or see. this was God. That wasn't you, Steph. That was the Lord, you know? And I think there is a fine line between knowing what you've done sure. and that, that you're capable of doing um, big things without yeah. maybe it being yeah. the Lord. Okay. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I, well, I think that's, well, I think that's really sad that they kind of weaponized mm. God's power against you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that the way that I see it as it's almost like a, a relief that it's not having to be me because mm. I'm not perfect and I'm going to make mistakes, but it doesn't matter. Cause I don't, I'm not in charge. Mm. It's kind of how I think of mm -hmm. it. And so it's like, when someone says, if someone's listening to a pastor and they say, well, listening to you brought me to, brought me to God, that pastor is just the mouthpiece for essentially the Lord speaking through him to everybody else. And he's being used. And that's great. I would, I love that any, anyone would think that I'm being used. And so to give that credit away is not necessarily me saying I'm not worthy of it. It's just me saying like, that's awesome that mm -hmm. my story can be used for good, mm -hmm. can be used to make people feel good about themselves. Right. And so I see that I had to go through it. I had to come out the other side to be able to tell that story. Mm -hmm. And so I did work. Yeah. But no, that makes sense. I think that it's a, it's kind of a positive thing and a relief thing that I don't have to bear that burden. It's not my job to save people. That's mm -hmm. not what I'm doing here. I'm just here to, if I can tell a story that takes people there, then right. that's See, that's you know what I've mean? always respected about you and your faith, um, where it was different than what I was raised because we were trained to save people, right? Yeah. Like that yeah. was the mission and that was your only mission. I mean, I remember watching Jesus Camp as an adult, that documentary, and I was like, oh my gosh, that was mm -hmm. totally my upbringing. Mm -hmm. You felt this like cringy sadness for this eight-year-old girl that was going up to strangers and saying, you know, yeah. she wasn't like having a conversation. It was like this rehearsed yeah. narrative to save people from burning in a lake of fire. And I know that I can still talk about it. It took me a long time to talk about that without feeling like I was going to throw up or, yeah, you know, like scary. this anxiety of I was one of those people. I don't believe it anymore because yeah. I don't identify as a Christian anymore. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't know that. And okay. a lot of people have asked me that. But I remember sitting and having a conversation with a client that I had just met, and I, they asked me directly, mm -hmm. are you a Christian anymore? And I was not prepared wow. to answer that, but I did. And I said no. Um, and I still stand by that, and I respect people that have that faith, but I also respect people. Mallory's calling. <laughs> um, I should turn off my phone. Mm -hmm. um, I respect... Um, anyone who finds something positive in any religion, yeah. you know? Yeah. So 
I think what is a, a challenge or what was a challenge for me is going from the Lord did that and get, having no no pride in what I did for myself as a person then to now if I don't identify as a Christian and someone you know turns their life around for the better because of something I said Mm -hmm. then does it feel like oh well now that's me does it feel like arrogant or cocky or you know you know what I'm saying like I think maybe other people might feel that same way too and if you're always focusing something on you know, a higher power. Yeah. Um, I think there's a fine line. There's somewhere, sure. you know, in the middle that people can meet to where it's like, I feel good about what I've done mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. because I'm a good person without mm-hmm. it being the Lord who did it. Sure. I guess. And I think that you know? there's a, there's two ways to view that, right? You can say if something good happens, that wasn't really because of me, but also if something bad happens, that wasn't because of me either. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone doesn't, if someone disagrees, that's fine, you mm-hmm. know? So it's kind of, it's not necessarily saying that you're not responsible for your actions, but at the end of the day, it's like, I don't have the control. And so I can only do what I do yeah. and people are going to do what they want to do. Right. And only hope that they take good away from that. And so I think that I've always been of the school of thought that's opposite of what you were taught as a kid mm-hmm. is just to say, I don't have to go to work and wear a Jesus fish and wear my <laughs> Christian shirt, you know, and like my Bible with my hand. And mm-hmm. all we used I to get to Bibles thrown at us. Okay. Honestly, that's <laughs> so, that's terrible. That's a story for a different that's day okay. or um, this podcast. But later. I think we'll that I've always thought if I just go into work and I'm kind to people, if I go into work and I'm on time mm-hmm. and I work hard and I do the right things, my faith comes through in those actions more than if I were to go up to somebody and say, are you saved? Do you know the Lord? Like, that's not going to save anybody. But I think if I can treat them well, I can be kind to you, I can be nice and funny and inclusive, mm-hmm. and then you happen to find out later that I'm a Christian because I mentioned Bible study or I mentioned a podcast to listen right. to, and they correlate the two and they think, huh, I've always thought religious people are, you know, aggressive and assertive mm-hmm. and rude but you're not, maybe that'll change their mind, right, you know? Right. And so I've always kind of been to the school of thought where it's more my actions will speak mm-hmm. louder than me testifying to somebody. Right. And I can only hope that that comes through. I agree. You know? Mm-hmm. I also think that it doesn't hit close to home or it's not real until someone close to you either comes out. Um, oh, yeah. And then it's, it's like you have to deal with it because you have this um, – picture in your mind of who they were your their whole life you know and they're still that same person Mm -hmm. and so when they come out it's like they have to almost um reshape what they thought of you the whole time when really it's not even the case it's the same person right um they're just choosing to be honest with you and truthful Mm -hmm. about something so important inside of them and um so when you when you figured out and you had that light bulb moment that you <laughs> talked about in the video of like oh my gosh I don't have to be gay I don't have no, to only yeah. I can be bi yeah. I'm bi like yeah. do you remember where you were oh or like God. what I, triggered it exactly where I was <laughs> and it's so random I I literally remember the minute and the moment it's like a weird light bulb moment where I was at the gym <laughs> literally re-racking dumbbells and I just I don't know is that sound really gay <laughs> it's the most gay <laughs> You're like, I was adjusting my tool belt, my cargo shorts. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
as I say it, I hear it out loud. But truly, I was at the gym putting weights away. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And it just hit me. And I thought, oh, my God. I'm bi. Mm-hmm. It's, did it, did it, it freak you out? Or did you feel like a felt, weight off your shoulders? It felt so obvious mm-hmm. in the moment. It mm-hmm. felt like I should have known that the whole time. Why didn't I see it? Yeah. Like a blindfold came off. And right. I thought, huh. And it was as easy as it felt when I first had my first girlfriend. I was like, this is weird because it's not weird. That kind mm-hmm. of feeling where it mm-hmm. just felt normal. It was in that moment where I realized, I thought, oh, duh. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know what triggered it. I don't know what it was. But it just was like a light was turned on. Who was the first person you told? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the guy in the Here gym now, next no. to you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I told. I'm sure it was my friend Courtney because I tell her absolutely mm-hmm. everything. But Cakes. Cakes Courtney? Cakes Courtney, yes. Um, But I don't remember who I told, but I just remember, I remember that moment. I can picture myself at the exact gym. It's such a weird thing to say, but yeah, it was literally a moment in time that it was like, you know, BB, like before, before my sexuality and after. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) But yeah, I do. Did you ever feel um, when you were going to church, did you ever take your significant other with you when you were dating a woman mm-hmm. yeah and did you feel weird about it or how did you feel no I think I think I there was a time where I didn't and there was a time when I really did you know like mm-hmm. I feel like there's a time when I didn't because I wasn't comfortable I was still questioning um and I wasn't really going to church all that much but then once I kind of turned that page we would go And also it was hard to find a church that we felt comfortable in. Mm. And that's always a problem too, right? Mm -hmm. And so we had a Methodist church nearby that was... Just Methodists. They're always uh, so inclusive. I mean, now, yeah, right? Right. And so (laughs) they, you know, they have... I mean, it's over... All the Methodist churches have like rainbow flags and rainbow (laughs) mouthwash in the bathroom. I always wear a cape when I go to those churches. (laughs) And so we would go to that church and we felt fine there. Like it felt good. Mm. But I actually remember going to church with an ex way back when, like a several girlfriends ago, but it was at a, I think it was a Methodist church, but they had like the LGBTQ community and maybe like the homeless community that would come in. We had service in like a different room mm. and my girlfriend liked it because she felt like she was, you know, at home and she felt comfortable there, which I understand, mm-hmm. but it also felt like like an exile, like you're on an island, right. like send them in the back room yeah. with like the 10 chairs uh-huh. and the cold <laughs> coffee and... <laughs> No one look, you know what I mean? Yeah, look away. (laughs) And so I just felt like a weirdo. And it was really sweet and such a wonderful service and it was great, but it just felt like you weren't, didn't get to be a part of the big Mm. church, you know, like you're sitting at the kids' table. Yeah. And and preface this with whatever floats your boat, wherever you're comfortable, I understand. And it's hard to find a place and if that's the only option, absolutely. And also safety is a thing too. Like you want to be around other gay people and feel safe, but... It I, is. It is a, a but struggle. But it's like just sometimes. let us be in a church yeah. with everybody else. Like yeah. it just we're not diseased. Right. We're not weird. It's right. just let us. We all exist. Like just be humans yep. and stand side by side. But yep. so um, towards the end of my last relationship, yes, we did go to Methodist church together, and I did not feel weird about that just because it was super inclusive. And mm-hmm. do you still go to church? I haven't gone to church in a while. Not for any particular reason. I went to church. I was living in Austin for a couple of years. I went to church there. Um, I've moved back to Dallas since, and I haven't really found a church yet here, but mm-hmm. not, not because I don't want to go. just haven't found one that I like yet. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, this is a good Hit one. Me with it. This is a great question. Actually, <laughs> I I think I know the answer, but okay. Do you feel like your relationship with God at any point shifted based on who you were dating, or do you think it was pretty consistent, or did it kind of ebb and flow? Or I think it ebbs and flows naturally, having nothing to do with who I'm dating, mm-hmm. just because life and being a human. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the reason I asked that sorry in, no, no, is no. because in the video you had mentioned feeling like you were a little bit more loved or um, given more attention attention to by, my family. by your family sure. based off of who you were dating. Sure. So I wondered if that like played any part in your heart or your mind, like you know, with God correlating the two. Yeah, you know what's funny is that I don't think I ever felt far from God. Mm. During, God, it was like seven years of really tough struggles with my family and with my religion and just wrestling with all of that. I never felt like I was forgotten or left away or, or kind of thrown out to dry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what has helped me kind of stay steady in my faith. I'm not perfect by any means, but I've always felt like God never left me. I'm just confused. Or I don't know the right answers or everyone's telling me something different, you know. I would talk to one pastor and he was like, no, religion is totally fine with being gay. And then of course you go to the next pastor and it's the opposite answer. I was so confused. Right. And I was reading book after book about person who's changed their life and they were gay, but not anymore, you mm-hmm. know? And then mm-hmm. it's someone else who is religious and gay and they've accepted it. And so I'm just getting mixed messages and I would think I was confusing myself when at the end of the day, I know that God was saying beside me saying, I love you right. no, no matter, matter what. what. And I knew that. I right. think I was just anxious and in my head and there was all these different outside factors parents and mm-hmm. girlfriends and society and friends it's and exhausting it's exhausting and it almost takes your focus off of, of the lord and it who you're in does. the relationship with Dealing right with all kinds of crap yeah you know that i worked at family christian store when i was <laughs> I, 17 i actually did know that and fact. i remember <laughs> searching the computer for anything gay yeah homosexuality yeah. like i just needed some Something. type of like um, whether it was, you know, talking against it, just any information, tell me, I didn't tell have me what that. to do, right? Tell me what to do. And there weren't, there wasn't anything. Nobody really could tell me what time. to do. Right. They only told, told me what they would do. Yeah. You know, there was always an agenda of what the outcome was going to yeah. be, um, when it's, you know, man or human or whatever. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, good old family Christian store. I could tell you stories about that for <laughs> ages. God, such a I remember, oh gosh, I think of all the, so, like, for example, I remember listening to Jennifer Knapp religiously, mm. and then she disappeared for a while, and I'm like, where did this Jennifer Knapp go? Also, I can relate to her lyrics so much. Maybe Odd. she's a lesbian. <laughs> sure enough. She read a book. Did you find she, it? She, I saw her at Hotel Cafe, like, a few years back, like, after seven years of disappearing, mm-hmm. and, yeah, she's making music her. again, but gay. Oh, well. Um... <laughs> Okay, so I think that what a lot of people, and myself included, like maybe you want to talk about your family a little bit and kind of sure. um, maybe get an update of where you're at with your relationship with your mom specifically mm-hmm. because you talked about that on the on yeah. the the in the video yeah. and how you did want to revisit that one day and hopefully have a peaceful relationship where you two can just exist and yeah. maybe it's not her giving you a book or a sure. scripture. Um, do you feel like you were able to do that at any point or is it something that you just kind of left unsaid? Um, I definitely think 
we're in a better place now only because, you know, time is the great healer and we've moved on, you know, life happens, bigger things have happened. We've had deaths in the family, you know, and so we've gotten closer. Um, I've never gotten an apology from my mom. Mm -hmm. I've never gotten an acknowledgement from my mom. Um, and I think that's, I think that's what keeps the distance there. Like there is definitely a, a distance between us. Mm -hmm. There's still scars that aren't healed Mm -hmm. because I just, there's a closure that I'm never going to get. There's an acknowledgement. I'm never going to receive apologies. I'll never hear. Mm -hmm. And I carry that and I go to therapy and talk about that. And I just, I, I don't see a way around it other than getting that from her. And I also don't see me getting that from her. When did you come to terms with the fact that you probably weren't going to get it? I think that, cause I think that I've brought it up to her before and maybe a not so direct way. And I, the response I always get is, well, you knew why I was doing that. Mm. Or you knew that I had to go with what the Bible says. You right. know, it's just, it's not an acknowledgement of hurt feelings because you can stand by your beliefs while also owning your actions. Right. You can stand by your beliefs while also apologizing for hurting somebody. Mm-hmm. But I just know her and I don't see that, I don't see that happening. Um, and so I'm just trying to find a way we just kind of, we, I love my mom. Don't get me wrong. I just, there's always going to be, I feel like this thing mm-hmm. that's standing in between us. Mm. Do you think, and obviously I don't know your mom. I'm speaking from my own. Sure, sure. I'm not trying to project, but do you think it has something to do uh, with admitting that they made a mistake or that they messed up and not um, being able to own that? I wish. Yeah. I don't think that she thinks she made a mistake. Yeah. I think that she's thinks she's right. Yeah. And I think that I've grown just to be okay with disagreeing. Mm. I know that my brother and I have never agreed. Mm-hmm. We've never thought the same when it comes to same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't even use the same terminology, you mm-hmm. know, but that's okay. Like, you're supposed to, you're able, you have to be able to coexist with people you don't agree with. And mm-hmm. I love my brother and we will always agree to disagree on that topic. And that's okay sometimes, you know? Right. Um, but he never hurt me. Right. He never brought pain to me. He never condemned me. He just told me his truth. Right. But never made me feel like less I was than. less than or wrong. Right. That's the difference. And I think right? that's where those boundaries come in. Like you said, there's always going to be that distance yeah. where it's like a little bit of protection for yourself sure. and for your heart. Um, for myself, knowing that I will never have those conversations with my family, Mm -hmm. um, even though I've exhausted myself trying for a very long time, um, there have been times recently where it's gotten to the point where they have said, I don't even remember what I don't even remember your upbringing, like trying to just dismiss that entire upbringing which I think is fear of admitting that they messed up. I know that they would not, if they could go back, and I can't speak for my dad, but maybe my mom. Um, I think a lot of times uh, people get wrapped up in what's happening in that era. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I was raised Pentecostal, and there were, 
you know, tent revivals and prophecies and prophets that would come speak and the power team. And I don't know. Do you remember the power, power team? team? What? Oh my <laughs> gosh. These like men in spandex would come to your church. It sounds faithful. And, and like break. <laughs> I know, but they would do it in the name of the Lord. They would break bats and like rip telephone books what? and carry refrigerators down the, the sanctuary. It sounds like a, like a, it was no, very weird. I just think that there are so many things and, um, trends you know not even just religious trends but just trends that you get caught up in that maybe you wouldn't do it different you would do it differently now if you were to raise your kids you know decades later but if you can't have those conversations with your grown-ass kids now and apologize and say I don't really know what I was doing or I did and I did the best I could but I know that maybe took a toll on you yeah and acknowledge it yeah. and have an adult conversation. I'm almost yeah. 40. Yeah. 40 years old. And so for my parents to not be able to sit down and, and communicate with me about my upbringing mm-hmm. and acknowledge some things and also hear my side of it. Yeah. They've never asked, how did it feel to, I won't even get into that part, yeah. but the anxiety that it caused me as like even a five, seven year old. Mm-hmm that affected my adult life and still does and my relationships. So to feel dismissed in that way, the only way I can survive at this point is to have those boundaries. But that doesn't mean I haven't continued yearly, you know, to like try to, um, because I need that apology. I need that apology to be able to trust that I can have a relationship with them. And until I get that, I have to know that I can trust myself and that's it. And it makes me think I was listening to a podcast the other day, actually, and they were just talking about how looking at someone who's hurt you, looking at someone who's done wrong, maybe not to you, but to somebody else Mm -hmm. and asking, you know, what happened to you? Instead of saying, what's wrong with you? Or why are you like that? Saying, what happened to you to make you the way that you are? Mm Because I think that we're all products of our environment, right? We're all products of our upbringing. Um, there's a lot of nurture there. Right. And I wonder like what happened to your mom? What happened to your dad? Mm-hmm. I know things that have happened to my mom that have put her in the place that she's in. And so I think that even knowing those stories as backgrounds, mm-hmm. that's helped me develop more empathy and sympathy for my mother and move forward in our relationship a little bit because I know the hurt that she's gone through right. and that she's carrying with her. Yep. And you know, the lack of love that she's received in her life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that knowledge is helpful. I don't know if you have that knowledge or if you oh, get I, those stories. I do have that knowledge. And my mom did go through a lot. Um, yeah. Here's Not that th- that changes anything. No, it doesn't. But it no, I, empathy. Totally. You know? And and I've had, I do have the empathy for my mom specifically. Um, I also think that there's a point where we're all responsible for ourselves. 100%. Right. But for me, I can look back at how my family chose to raise me and I can blame a lot of things in my life on that. Mm -hmm. But there's a point where if I keep doing that, it's only doing myself and everyone else a disservice. Absolutely. At at some point you have to say, I'm responsible for myself and I need to make a shift Mm -hmm. so that I can survive, not just survive, but thrive in my adult life. I would love more than ever to have coffee with my mom and my dad and talk about real life things, talk about their struggles, talk about my struggles. It's just, 
it's impossible and it's so sad and every time I try it's that reminder yeah and that that disappointment that it will never happen and so I've just shifted my focus to they'll come to me if they're ready they know exactly what to do but I can't hold my breath anymore because I'm gonna drown and sometimes I think it comes down to the fact that just because they're related to you doesn't mean you have to have them in your life right like I think that we put a lot of emphasis on family, 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 family first, family's everything. Yeah. You die for your family. Right. But sometimes you have to pull yourself up first. You got to put your own mask on first. Yep. Right. And yeah. so just because they're related to you doesn't mean you have to bend over backwards for them. Mm. You know, they're just people in this world. And if they're not treating you the way they, they should, if, if anyone's not bringing positivity into your mm-hmm. life, why have that person blood right. related or not in your circle? Right. You know, life's right. too short for that. Chosen and family. Wow, that was good. That was a good talk. Um, I hate that for you, and I'm so sorry. It's just, it's one of those things that, that is why this podcast exists too, is to talk about these things with someone other than my therapist, because my therapist can, she's wonderful, but I'm not, charging, it I'm not charging you either. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and also, it doesn't go anywhere, right? Exactly. Like, uh, it's now, at least we can put this out into the universe and hope that at least, like you said, at least one person can relate and maybe it helps them out to know that they're not alone. You know, I would have, I could have used that when I was 16 or 17. Definitely. So continuing on with family. Yes. Um, you mentioned in the video, which really, I watched it again today and I've watched it several times over the last few years, but you said that you had told your mom, you're like reminding her, you raised a good person. You raised someone good yeah and I think it's interesting that a lot of us myself included feel like we have to almost justify that we're good people Mm -hmm. because we're bi or gay or part of that community to where we almost feel just discredited from the um, from the the Mm get-go and like we have to remind our families that they did a good job we're good people but why do why do we have to justify that we're good people I almost feel like I'm telling her that because I think the minute that anyone says I'm gay or I'm bisexual or I'm whatever they're automatically labeled well Kaylee the lesbian or you know you know Michael the gay guy it becomes the only thing that becomes your identifier right and it's almost it's almost as if I was trying to say I'm not Kaylee the bisexual I'm just a good person Mm -hmm. you know take away all my labels at the end of the day, I'm a good person. And Mm. so instead of viewing me through this rainbow colored lens that you've now put on me, mom and dad or Mm -hmm. whoever, I'm just a good person. Like strip that all down Mm -hmm. and I'm just like everybody else, you know, and you did a good job and don't, I think that sometimes parents who don't accept it or don't agree with it think that they mess up I got questions asked like were you molested were you oh yeah were you beaten up because there always were has you, to be a cause there's gotta be a reason it. right yeah and did they mess up what did they do my mom asked if she ate too much creamed corn it was the cream it was corn. I it's said, always cream the creamed corn I don't even <laughs> eat that now because just I'm cream corn delicious trauma <laughs> traumatized by the cream corn um but yeah they didn't do anything wrong so it's almost like I'm having to tell them assure them you know you did a good job you Mm -hmm. did a great job raising me I'm perfectly normal I have a job I pay taxes I have a house you know like it's crazy doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing it's crazy though what we have to explain (laughs) and justify just because we're existing and like of course we're good people like this just because that you know label is put on us yeah um I'm I've I've 
adjusted my way of thinking, I guess, to be proud of being part of the LGBT Me community, too. right? Because at Me the beginning, too. it was like, oh, I want to get rid of this. I want to pray it I away. I want to be normal. I want to be normal. Right. Like everybody else. Right. Yeah. But now it's like, I would not be where I'm at in yeah. this decade of my career or as a, as a person in general, like if I wasn't gay, yeah. you know, it's a part of my life that I'm so proud of instead of, of being ashamed yeah. of, you know? Yeah. I think I've gotten to that place as well. Mm-hmm. We'll cut out this pause. <laughs> my, my font is very tiny. <laughs> you got to type larger. Continuing on with sexuality. <laughs> So, bi erasure is is a big thing. Um, I never heard this term until today, which makes me so. The first time I heard it, I think, was when I was watching the original L Word because um, that show. I'm terrible. I have not. You gotta gotta keep up on the new one. I've never had HBO before. It's Showtime. (laughs) Or that. Or that. See. So get on it. Even even our own within our own community the L word specifically, that was, I said specifically like 12 times recently. They gave a very hard time, um, to the trans community and the bi community mm. in the old L word. This was also like 15 years sure. ago, but still yeah. they're, they've done a really great job about being very inclusive, um, now, but back then it was like, why don't you make up your mind between vagina and puss? Oh, same. That's the same. You you don't know any other any other private part. I'm the most lesbian, and this is the truth. Breaking news. Oh my lord! Between vagina and penis, you can't even say it. Wiener. Um, and you'd have to like choose between like it's Absolutely. black, black and white. You sure. know? Have you ever felt that where it's like from your lesbian friends, you're like, oh, you should. You're oh, a lesbian, yeah. Kaylee. Or oh, from yeah. your straight friends, it's like, come on, you know. Yeah, it's just that's so. I mean, I feel like I could like get on a soapbox right now mm-hmm. and tell you all of things. So I think that's one reason why I had such a hard time figuring it out, right? Because I spent years and years and years only dating women. Hey, and of course, when you do that, you hang out with tons of lesbians, you have all the friends, you know, everybody in the community, and it becomes your little family, right? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to think, but I think I still like guys, you mm-hmm. know, and I always had that in the back of my head. I never denied it, but I was in relationships and it looked very gay and it looked very much like a lesbian lifestyle, but I knew that I had never given up that part of me. And so I just didn't know how to articulate that. And I wasn't showing it in any way in my life. So it was kind of a mental struggle with, am I really thinking that I'm bisexual? Am I just telling myself that? Cause I'm ashamed to be gay. Mm. Where do I fall? Is that allowed? You know? And I will say like my straight friends don't give two shits. They couldn't care less. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did have lesbian friends say, you're so gay, Kaylee. Stop. You're, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you're so gay. You're the gayest. Like I think people could be bi, but you're not, you're so gay. And so I hear that and brush it off and joke, joke it away. Mm -hmm. But I do think, well, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? Or what do they know that I don't know? And then I think now I'm in a relationship with a man Mm -hmm. and have been for several years now. And it's funny, I posted about this, this past pride because every pride, every time pride comes around, even though I am proud Mm -hmm. of my sexuality and who I am, I don't feel like I can, I have the right to celebrate. Mm. I don't know what that is. Mm. I almost feel like it's not, 
I don't get to celebrate because I'm not doing it or I'm not being Mm. it or I'm not showing it out loud. Right. Right. And it's almost, it's almost a sad month for me, which is a weird thing to say because I just don't feel like I left, like almost like I left that behind. And that was a really big struggle for me when I started dating a guy. I really had to wrestle with, am I just giving up? Mm. Am I, am I walking away from so many years of fighting and Mm -hmm arguing and, and people standing viewing, up for myself viewing like you took the easy way out absolutely or at looking at me like she wasn't gay she was going through a phase you know mm. all of that stuff I had to go through in my own head and say am I mm. is that what I'm doing am I just walking away from all of this everything I fought for I'm just am I just throwing it away and right. walking away and I really had to wrestle with that and I came to the realization that no I'm not that's right. not a phase exactly who I am and it will always be who I am yeah but and it's like if it's not one box, it's another. Absolutely. Like every, oh, Steph's a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> but really, really, like, if it's not, it always has, someone wants to put you in a box. A box. Even our own community sometimes when, you know, th- no one should ever feel that way. That sucks. I didn't know that about you feeling that way during Pride Month, but I could see how you, you yeah. could feel that way. And it's just, it shouldn't be that No. It shouldn't be that way. And it and hmm. And it's also, like, I feel like I moved away. I didn't have as many gay friends anymore. I wasn't. Mm-hmm here to be present in that community so that's also my fault and on me but it's funny when I posted that I posted something about you know I always feel when pride comes around that I'm not really part of a community because when you're bisexual you're not really straight and you're not really gay and so Mm -hmm. where do you fall but I am still proud I had several people that I thought were lesbians Mm -hmm. write me and say I feel this way too Mm. who I had no idea that they ever thought any other way and that and it just made me sad for them because they clearly don't know how to play both sides or whatever you want to call it or be bisexual and maybe go on dates with dudes maybe go on dates with girls Mm -hmm. because I think that they've just been in that community for so long that group of friends for so long they've identified as that for so long that they don't feel like they have permission to go outside of that Mm -hmm. and that makes me sad because you should express yourself fully always. Right. And however that, whichever road that takes you down. And so I was happy they could confide in me. And I was like, you're not alone. I understand. But yeah, I definitely think that you don't really feel like there's a really a place for you unless you're siding. One or the other. You're, unless you're siding on right. the, you know, the side of dating a woman when mm. I'm a woman, then you can be in the pride parade. Then you can hang out because you you look gay. Yeah. Sure, you're quote, quote, bi but you're doing what everybody else is doing, you know? But if I came mm. with a man, I'm not sure I would get the same attention or they would probably think that you're, you're an straight ally. couple coming in as an ally. Right. Yeah. And so it, it, it's, it's, I'm interested to see what, what the feedback is from, um, and we had Miley really going home for us, but we lost her. <laughs> lost Miley. Wait, where'd she go? What happened well, to her? Well, because she was, because Miley is bisexual. She was married to a man and she was getting a lot of hate for, you're not gay and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. you're dating a man. But she was saying, I'm a queer woman married to a man. That doesn't make me not a queer woman. So she was really standing up for us there, but they got a divorce and oh. it's all gone to shit. Man, but I, not really a big I, fan, but she really was holding it there for us. For kept a, up with Miley in a while. <laughs> but yeah I just it makes me it makes it it makes me sad it really does because I do feel super proud and I do know in my heart of hearts that's who I am Mm -hmm. but just because I'm not expressing it outwardly quote-unquote I don't really feel like I'm a part of it anymore I'm going to be more uh intentional about checking in with my bi friends on during pride month because I don't I didn't think of that 
Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. Um, Thanks. Well, <laughs> let's um, go back to the overthinking with Steph portion of the podcast. <laughs> Make me Welcome sing it. Welcome to my entire life. <laughs> I want to sing it. <laughs> do you remember it? It's a good one. <laughs> it gets good, stuck in your head. It's a good one. I, I wake up with it in the my head The best jingles do. So what do you fear most in life? What keeps you up at night? Well, nothing. I go to sleep like a rock. Oh my gosh, you're so lucky. <laughs> I'm one of those. I fear unhappiness. And I fear wasting time and life away. You know, I've always, even from a little kid, I've always been scared I'm going to have a job that I hate, mm. which is like a weird fear to have as like a 12-year-old. Like, I don't want to have a terrible job, you know, <laughs> or a terrible boss. But I've always been scared to have a job that I hate. I wanted to drive the monorail at Disneyland when and I was a kid. And that sounds so fun. Right? I think right? you just push a button. You I just, thought you would just steer it. And then you it. just hang out at Disneyland yeah. all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been scared of that. Luckily, I've never been in a position where I don't like my job. Knock on wood. Lately, and I think it's probably a lot of like social media influence where you're seeing everybody do everything, you know, but I, I'm f- afraid of wasting my time not seeing places and going and doing things or, mm. you know, not you know, making the most of my time here. I think that that's become a new fear of mine is that what am I doing with my life? You know, right. is this all there is, you yep. know? And so, and a lot of times it's like, well, I have to pay bills and I have a house and I have to do all these things. And so that's inhibiting, but making it work, you know, what would you be doing if you didn't have to pay all those things and could just do whatever Traveling. you want? I would Traveling. never be home. I would never, I would take Milton and I would, Aww. and John and we would just go travel everywhere because that's, I just want to see everything, you mm-hmm. know? And I just get nervous that I'm going to miss out on something, you yeah. know, it's like the ultimate FOMO of mm. my whole life. But, but I think, and it's funny that I'm encouraged by you in that sense, because you've told me before, you're like, I didn't travel anywhere until I was 30 something, you know, mm. I was working hard and building my business, saving my money. And so honestly that I think about that and I think if it's not this year, I will do it, yep. you know, but I haven't make an intention right. and think about it and save money and work hard so that I can do those things. Right. Cause I'm not, I'm only 31. I have a lot yeah. of life to live. It's You're so funny. Young, so nervous. You're still a young lass. It's a young buck. <laughs> and so I do, I think about you telling me that when you're like, I didn't travel till I was 30 something years old, you know, and you've gone to all the places. And well, so luckily I figured out how to, how to make, Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I figured out how to make, my career into traveling so it works out i need to try i need to find one of those that damn monorail sounds it's pretty <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i have regrets <laughs> it's always time You're why young. am i seeing greece and italy class. i could be I at disneyland <laughs> exactly. driving a monorail um no but i think that it is important to see the world and make time for that even if it's like one trip a year you absolutely know? and you just got back from a trip yeah, I went to Santa Fe. I'd never been to Santa Fe before. I've it only was been once. beautiful. Yeah. It was freaking freezing, but it was just like that. We just drove there. Mm-hmm. It was so easy and right. such an easy thing to do, but planning takes time and it costs money. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, life is too short. Yep. That's so true. No. We could be gone tomorrow. Absolutely. I hope not, but fingers crossed. It's nice having uh, ramen yeah. with you tonight. Didn't go to Santa Fe. <laughs> <laughs> There's always that. And that like germ infested maze. also known as meow wolf it was very cool it was cool i got claustrophobic and all i could think of was discovery zone the minute we got out was like hand sanitizer quick 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 yeah oh definitely discovery zone lots of lots of textures oh 
discover stop, stop what bragging. I can do on my own. <laughs> you have a jingle. Oh, stop with bears. I should write jingles for a living around the world. You've got so many lives to live. Oh, Steph I Graham. do. I feel like I'm not doing enough. <laughs> the curse of a fantastical brain. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining me tonight. I think, did we just talk for seven hours or was it just me setting up think, the podcast? I think you, it took you seven hours to set up the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Mics are hard. Thank you so much for having me on here and talking to me. And I'm so excited to hear all your episodes. And We should do a life update every three years. Every three years. Yeah. Yes. Watch in three years. What if you I'll like lived in 2023. Bora Bora or something? I freaking hope so. You never know. That would be sick. Put it out in the universe. Out intentions. Hey, no, it, thank you so much for having me. If it's the me. Lord's will. It will be done. <laughs> Godspeed. <laughs> but I think that you're doing good things, Steph. And I think that, you know, you work a l- really hard. You probably should eat more. But you're doing a lot of stuff that makes us really proud of you. Thank you. And you should know that. You know I eat uchi a lot. So. You're the only, only, I live only off bougiest of, for Steph. I live off of fish. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. I'll be seeing you soon. Yep. I look forward to hearing the feedback from this conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hope that someone heard something that they liked. High five. Bye. Bye. Well, hey, thanks for overthinking with Steph. Can't wait to hear from you on the social. So make your way over to at Steph's podcast on Twitter and tell me your thoughts. Catch the breakdown on Patreon where we get into the nitty gritty and overthink the conversations in this episode. Until next time, keep creating scenarios that will never actually happen and live your one damn life. Don't you hate it when you wake up first thing in the morning? Mind is stirring. It's a wreck. Oh, I think I was sad. Cool your jets. Go to bed. Get out of your Like, I always think, how am I going to perish? And I think, why I not? Think about that. You don't think about that? No. I do all the time. Because I think, oh my gosh, why would I not travel and go do weird things? Like, what a way to go, right? If I'm like oh yeah, in Greece somewhere on a back road <laughs> talking to a stranger and I get You're gonna die right, right abducted. <laughs> then I think, what if I die here alone chewing on a piece of steak? And then Rusty has to eat me to survive. You don't eat steak. You don't have food in this house. You're going to choke on anything. <laughs> choke on a pickle. Ew. I was recording all of that. No, you weren't. Really? <laughs> We're ending the podcast with I'm going to choke on a pickle and die. choke on a pickle. That's how you have to be your last words. Famous well, last words. Nice knowing you. Bye. <laughs>